welcome to Writing or Relations with Food, a podcast series where we meet with guests from across the country to discuss food security, food sovereignty, and how we can make changes to our food system with a focus on Canada. Writing Relations is a national network of adult educators and community organizers working for radical social change. And this series is part of a larger project on food sovereignty and the sustainability development goals. So if you're interested in learning more, please check out our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Today, we welcome Jade Guthrie. Jade is a Community Foods Program Curriculum Lead and Educator at FoodShare Toronto, where she uses her background in social work to bring an intersectional, anti-oppressive lens to her work, engaging with food justice and sovereignty movements in meaningful ways. Jade is also a community organizer with Justice SIA for Migrant Workers and an organizing member of Soul Food Project Toronto. Jade, I'm excited to get to talk to you today. Thank you for joining me. I guess just before we begin um, asking you those three questions, um, I guess one thing that I'm just um, curious to know is like, what are the challenges that you're seeing right now in terms of food security within the city of Toronto? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, food insecurity and like food injustice has been a a problem for a really long time across Canada, but specifically in Toronto, you know, being a a big urban city that is very expensive to live in. Um, And I think what we've all seen, you know, folks working in the field as well as just like people living in Toronto is that the pandemic has really like exacerbated all of the inequities that already existed. Um, so, you know, it's just the cost of living is constantly rising here. People aren't making enough money to be able to put food on the table and pay rent and take care of their kids. Um, and so we're seeing, you know, really kind of like skyrocketing rates of food insecurity or like self-reported food insecurity that again, like existed way before the pandemic, but I think has just like been brought to the surface in a lot of ways and been made a little bit more visible for folks who haven't previously experienced it Um, but you know I think it's important to highlight too that like the majority of people who are like bearing the brunt of like of the weight of the pandemic have been like black and indigenous folks uh, in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Yeah Um, in what ways have you seen people addressing some of these issues and you say that this has been happening for for a while? I mean I think you know for as long as food insecurity and food injustice has existed, there's also been like incredible grassroots community action that has always responded to those problems. And people have always taken care of like our own communities in really creative and and important and meaningful ways. And I think, you know, during the pandemic, we've seen such um, a resurgence of mutual aid, you know, like, I mean, mutual aid all already existed and has been happening specifically within BIPOC communities for for decades. Um, But I think the pandemic has really, you know, brought to light how important it is for for us to take care of one another. And so we've seen like so many incredible food justice and food sovereignty based um, community initiatives. Like I'm thinking of there's like the People's Pantry in Toronto. There is like pop-up community fridges with fresh produce and other food in it. Um, there's been some really cool, like youth led stuff. Um, I, the list is incredibly long, but all of them are like indigenous and black led, a lot of youth led initiatives, just like working to organize and like get together and make sure that everyone is supported during a really hard time. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. So with that being said, then like, what does food uh, sovereignty look like in practice? Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I think, you know, obviously the word sovereignty, you know, conjures up like ideas of like self-determination and autonomy. And I think when we're talking about food sovereignty, that means really like having agency and determination over like the food that we're eating and the food that we grow and the food that we have access to and that we cook and love, right? Like just this like notion of, I think the way that our food system has been built, it's been built like by the state and by corporations, like for the state and for corporations to like make money, right? Um, and so in that way, regular people and communities, like we don't have control over our food system as it currently stands, right? It wasn't built for us and it wasn't built by us. And so I think when I think of food sovereignty, I think of like reclaiming that sense of like agency and that like space of like power to determine like what I want to eat today and like making sure that the people I love can like eat the food that they love to eat and, you know, in ways that are accessible and like equitable, you know? And I think also like for me, food sovereignty is like about like healing as well like I think the system the food system we have currently is so you know like it's such like a capitalist neoliberal system and in so many ways it attempts to like destroy our relationships with like one another and community but also with like food and land and so I feel like when we talk about food sovereignty it's like a, a big emphasis on reconnecting to food and reconnecting to land and like healing those connections that these systems have like attempted to destroy and kind of like get rid of right so like reclaiming traditional food ways and like reclaiming um ancestral knowledge around food that might have been lost um as a result of like so many different systems of oppression yeah i definitely agree that we definitely have lost that touch of that reconnection to food and us especially feeling disconnected to the land yeah like are there any innovative ideas or approaches that you would see in terms of addressing food sovereignty yeah, I mean, there's like, there's so many. One of the things I love about working in the space of like food justice and food sovereignty and like the food movement more generally is just that like every day I learn about someone new who's not someone new, but it's new to me, um, who's like doing incredible work. And it's like every day it's kind of really like life-giving and like hope inspiring to see all the incredible community initiatives that are constantly happening. I do a lot of community organizing with justice for migrant workers. And I think that has been a really rich learning space for me personally around food sovereignty, because prior to, to getting involved with J4MW, I thought a lot about food insecurity and food security and food justice in terms of like access to food for communities. But I had never really like conceptualized, you know, food justice or food sovereignty within terms of like the entire food system and like the supply chain and like the people whose labor are, are ensuring that there's food on people's tables every day. And so organizing with like workers who, you know, leave their home countries to come here and put food on tables across Canada you know, folks who are mostly black and brown and indigenous in their home countries who have, you know, so much knowledge around food growing and how to take care of the land. I think working with folks coming from these spaces has been a really good learning experience for me in terms of like kind of shifting my understanding of what food justice actually looks like. Like it's not just about one part of the system, right? It's like this entire thing. And we need to be thinking about all of the different moving parts in a system. Um, like if, if 
people aren't getting paid decent wages or aren't you know don't have access to decent working conditions then like is it a just food system just because other people have access to food right um and then also like thinking about the ways that even with the migrant worker program that we do have here in Canada which is called the seasonal agricultural worker program like thinking about that system itself which is like the foundation of Canada's agricultural industry and the ways that that system is so like extractive and replicates so many like colonial processes by going into other countries and like exploiting people's labor and extracting resources so that Canada can like continue to build wealth, right? And so it's just like, for me, it's been a really big learning experience to just kind of totally turn on its head what I thought food justice or food sovereignty was. So I feel really like lucky to to work with and organize with so many people who have that experience and that, that firsthand knowledge. I think outside of that, more recently, I've been really inspired by Toronto recently, like approved a Black Food Sovereignty Action Plan. And, you know, I, I feel really privileged to know some of the folks who were involved in like the grassroots organizing that got that on the table and like put into the plan. And, you know, it's taken like decades for that to become something that was put into policy. But I think it's like a really important thing to think about, you know, when we talk about enacting or engaging in food sovereignty or food justice work, it's like there's grassroots action, but there's also like policy changes that needs like there's so many different parts that we need to be like putting pressure on. And so I think it's something like the Black Food Sovereignty Action Plan is such a beautiful example of the ways that like community action like at the grassroots has also you know, led to policy changes and like systems changes, like it, it works, right? Um, and I think that that's like so hope giving for me to, to see that happen. You know, I've also seen some really cool stuff on social media lately from a lot of like indigenous youth groups across Toronto doing food sovereignty stuff. There's one, I think they're called like to Toronto Plant Life and they do a lot of like youth uh, led gatherings to learn more about like traditional food ways and traditional ways of growing and, and all of that stuff and reclaiming you know intergenerational knowledge and I think I, I feel like so inspired when I see youth just like doing like they're the generation like that came after my generation is just like so with it <laughs> and they just like know what they're doing and they're like killing it you know so I feel really like excited every time I get to see that happen and be a part of it. Okay, well, that sounds exciting, actually. That's really inspiring. Um, just kind of giving me hope about the different people playing different roles and, and addressing some of these concerns. I was starting to worry about uh, where this was all going. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, and so, like, how do you think that we would approach um, writing our relations with food? Um, I mean, it's a big question. <laughs> I think, you know, like I said earlier, I think a big part of, for me at least, you know, this notion of like food sovereignty, kind of like this focus on healing is, is really important and, and rebuilding relationships and, and rebuilding connections. So again, kind of like coming at it from a space of like closing the gap between us and our food and us and our food system and us and land where our food comes from right like kind of like building those bridges is is really important and I think you know I think food sovereignty looks really different for every community for me I'm 
like the daughter of a black immigrant, but I'm also a settler, I'm still on land. And so the way that food sovereignty might play out in my own life is going to be really different than, you know, the many indigenous nations across the land. So I think, you know, as someone who's like a young mixed woman, a big part of food sovereignty for me is like understanding where the intersections lie between like black food sovereignty and indigenous food sovereignty and like, you know, all the different communities that exist here and kind of like understanding how we can support one another uh, to build a better food system that works for everyone. And also understanding particularly like my own responsibilities as a settler in specifically supporting indigenous food sovereignty and like land back movements, because it's like, you know, it's so complicated because like, in one space I am looking to heal my own connections with land, you know, that's complicated by things like forced displacement and the transatlantic slave trade and like me being a settler here, but at the same time, how do I support land back movements as a settler in meaningful ways and support indigenous food sovereignty, right? And that reclaiming of traditional knowledge for other communities. So I think a big part of food sovereignty is just like unpacking all of that for me and just like understanding the connections and figuring out like where the pieces fit in and like what my roles or responsibilities are um, and how I can like be accountable to, to other people and like other parts of the movement. Yeah, and I think more like broadly just you know, the goal is to to build a new food system, um, to build a system that works for the people. And I think that what that really calls for is like shifting the way that we think about food generally. Like I think, like I said, you know, our food system as it currently exists was like built by rich people for rich people to get richer. And so, you know, our food system inherently just like looks at food as like a commodity as something to like make money off of. And I think the way forward for me when I think about like writing our relations, whether that's with food or land or, or other communities, is just like positioning food within a space or like an economy of care rather than like as a commodity and just like understanding that like food is something we can use to like take care of one another, right? And it's like something that can bring us together and, and a way that we can share space and like build connections rather than something that we have to like go to the store and spend like our last few dollars on right so just like kind of that like mindset shift is really important for me as well just like taking a step back and looking at food as like so much more than just an object right yeah mm -hmm. yeah thank you and I think you really touched upon some of the things around land and also just with um, creating that community around food and yeah so I really appreciate um, sharing from your experience and uh, your work around food sovereignty did you have any other final words that you may want to share with us no I don't think so I just wanted to thank you for for inviting me to be here and chatting with you <laughs> thank you for listening to this month's episode of writing our relations with food uh, we would like to thank our wonderful guests for sharing their knowledge and their insights with us and from everyone here at Writing Relations Canada, we would like to thank our partner, the John Humphrey Center for Peace and Human Rights, and of course, our funders, the Catherine Donnelly Foundation and the Employment and Social Development Canada for making this project possible. And we hope you'll join us again next month.